over here. There's nothing I can do about that. Okay, now we're live. Hey, everybody. Hi, Hi everyone. It's Dr. Renee uh, for another episode of the Ask Dr. Renee Show. I have a few housekeeping things I want to let you know before we get started. One, if you want to ask questions at the last half, please hit the square. Um, there's some squares at the very top on the right-hand corner, upper right-hand corner. If you click those squares, you should see Q&A. Click on Q&A, and a whole column should open up on the right-hand side of your screen, so you'll be able to do that. And then the other thing is um, we'll give you all our contact information at the end, and it'll be below, um, below us. And I am going to let my wonderful guest today introduce herself because her resume is way longer than our last week guest, who we would like to thank again for doing that for us, Elvira Guzman. But um, she has been in business for a long, long time. So we're going to let her introduce herself because I know she has a fabulous 30-second pitch. Hi, everybody. My name is Christine Boulware, and I want to thank Dr. Renee Matthews for inviting me to be a guest on her show this week. That's so exciting. Um, I am the co-founder, well, really the founder, to be honest, of <laughs> something called itsashort.com, which is the go-to place for award-winning short film, video, and web series. I'd love to tell, tell everybody about It's a Short and ask all of you to register immediately so that you can meet some of our amazing artists. Prior to the founding of It's a Short, which is my tech startup, yes, I was in consulting for many, many years, specifically the executive search space, and I still work in executive search um, even today. I help amazing clients find uh, senior level executives and I've been able to use all of my skills in the executive search space in itsashort.com because now I'm able to recruit amazing artists. Um, I, am, I live in Chicago for those of you who care and I have other sort of identities which I may or may not share with you as we get underway. So thank you so much, Dr. Renee, and everybody who's watching for hosting, yeah, for allowing me to be your guest this weekend. Thank you so much. So first, let's start with um, how did you start, the exec first of all, how did you find out about executive search? Like I would have never, of all the businesses to start, you know, how did that one become the one that you wanted to start? You know, I um, was in the executive, I've been in the executive search industry for more than 20 years, and um, it was, you know, a, a kind of random kind of Uh-oh, it sounds like you're giving a little feedback. <laughs> so you'll have to stop it, but anyway. So I, uh, I was working in the public sector with a couple of colleagues and, um, and it turns out one of their partners was um, starting an executive search firm. And at the time I was um, being a new mom and thinking very much about staying home with my kids, which I know is not something that people think about today, but for me it was important. And he called me one day and said that he needed some help and he wanted to hire me as a consultant. And um, I said to him, you know, what's the, what, what do you want me to do? I said, sure, because of course I was flat dead broke. And I said, sure, what are we going to do? 
And he said, well, I have this funny little business called Executive Search. And I said, what is Executive Search? And he explained it to me, and of course it made no sense. And finally he said, you get paid for talking on the phone. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that would draw me in immediately as well. because <laughs> I've been talking on the phone forever, and I've never gotten paid for it. So yes, I'm going to do it. So that's how I got started. And I worked uh, sort of with them as a consultant initially for two years. And then they, or maybe for a year actually, and then they hired me permanently as a recruiter. And I learned uh, how to be a recruiter. And then about a year or two after that, they invited me to join the partnership and change the name of the firm to include my name. I was on the wall. Oh, that, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was quite nice. And then, uh, but then ultimately, uh, for family reasons, um, I needed to leave. I was living on the East Coast. I needed to leave and come to the Midwest. My family's from the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest and uh, from Detroit, as a matter of fact. Shout out to Detroit. And um, my entire family, all my siblings, everybody, we all lived on the East Coast. We all relocated to Chicago to support our parents who were aging and, in one case, ailing. So when that happened, I uh, decided to go out on my own and uh, because I was needing really to be take care of my parents of and was worried about you know the demands of being a partner and you know taking care of them so I thought it might I might have more flexibility if I just sort of set up on my own so I did and then I set up my own firm and I ran it for over 20 years and was headquartered here in Chicago I had an office in DC uh, for five years I had an office in Denver for three years um, and worked all over the country. So it was very, very successful venture. That is so amazing. And then the most amazing thing of it, audience, is that she did this as a single parent with two kids. That is true. And got two kids through school and they're now very successful. So yeah. I, I mean, if you could elaborate on, because there's so many moms out here, one that have to unfortunately tow that road as well. You know, yeah. how did you do that? Well, for all the moms, first of all, if you think it's impossible, you're right, it is! <laughs> it is so hard. In my next life, I am totally not going to be a single parent, I will tell you that. But at any rate, I, uh, it was hard because, one, I was headquartered here, but traveled every week. And uh, two, my children uh, were very young uh, when I started. My daughter, my youngest child, my daughter, was just eight months old. Uh, when I started and she has and I've done this business her entire life and this is all she's ever known so she kinda like was used to me going away you know but I guess I did a couple of things the first thing I did was I decided that I was traveling every week but I was always going to be home every night so even if I had to be in a next in another city the next day I always came back to Chicago and talked to my kids and then went back out the next morning so that was very important to me everybody's family is different so it's not like the way to be but for me it was what I needed to do the second thing I did was when I came home from work um, I and I insisted that you know TVs were off and phones were off and I did not get on the phone I didn't take calls I didn't do anything I just focused on my kids and whatever they were talking about that's what we did we did homework and we did music and we did you know everything soccer and you know whatever was going on for them but you know that kind of time for me was time that I did not allow any other you know things you know I didn't you know phone you know family, or whatever. nothing I just 
completely devote, focused on them. And it wasn't that much less like when you think about it, it's only like two or three hours a day I actually saw them. But um, but that time was pretty, you know, it was intense. Quality. Not quantity, yeah. but quality. Yeah, yeah. That's what I ended up having to do. So they're, so some of my favorite things that they say are, you know, we couldn't get away with anything. You always knew what was going on, which <laughs> I was like, that's true, you know. So I'm glad they felt that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So after all of those wonderful years in executive search, you decide to venture off into something totally different. I know. And can you please tell everybody about this fantastic venture of It's a Short? Absolutely. So I um, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about my passion, uh, <laughs> which is actually movies. So I love movies. I've always loved movies. I can watch three and four movies a day. I could do marathon movies on TV. I could go to the theater and go from theater to theater, though I will say I always buy a ticket every time I go to a new movie if I'm in a theater. But at any rate... <laughs> so I know it's so crazy, but um, so I love movies. I've always loved movies, and um, I have a brother who um, is actually a, a lawyer. He's an amazing lawyer. Uh, was you know he practiced law for many years and was litigating a case um, that uh, was about a set of issues that I really cared about. He was defending um, in a group of incarcerated moms who, because, you know, sort of in a state uh, which unfortunately had a practice of um, taking, you sort of, if, if, in an if an incarcerated mom had a newborn, had a baby while incarcerated, they would, as soon as the baby was born, they would take the baby away from the mom. And, uh, and the mortality rate for those kids was unbelievably high. And my brother sued the state uh, to, um, to stop that practice. And ultimately, he was victorious, but it left such, it was such a difficult thing to litigate for him personally. He just, you know, was heartbroken over all those moms and those babies that he decided to basically change his life and, and, and tell, you know, find a way to tell stories. And his medium for telling stories was film. So he sort of left the practice of law and became a filmmaker, which was an arduous process on his part, but he's very successful today. And um, and so and sort of in his the course of his success, one of his uh, feature length films got invited to Sundance. We were so excited. So we were, you know, he was excited because he thought a ton of people would see the movie, and I was excited. I really wanted to go to Sundance, but I couldn't go that year. So he went, and then when he got back, I said, "So how was it? It was so you know, all these hundreds of thousands of people see your movie." And he was like, "No, actually, Sundance was more of a marketplace." that people were there looking for films. And I thought, oh, wow, that's amazing because, you know, the vast majority of artists are actually independent artists. And they really have no system, no established network or platform to share their work with, the, with, any, with any public other than, you know, friends and family when you really think about it. And that experience was the inspiration for itsashort.com. So itsashort.com is, as I mentioned earlier, the go-to place for award-winning and award-nominated short film, video, and web series. And it's um, we have artists that are on the film side that are award-winning artists from different festivals around the country and even around the world. And for our video, um, we are all—it's all high-recognition video, 
and the same is true for web series. Um, I decided on the short form um, now because short people who make short film really have nothing. Do you know what I mean? They the filmmakers themselves only exactly. have festivals. Um, if it's video or or film or even web series, um, the sort of public options for them are YouTube and Vimeo, and and which are great platforms. No no shade. Uh, but you know the artists are not ever really able to make a significant, you know, make money. You know they can't make money living their passion, and you only know about them if you know to look for them on Vimeo or YouTube. You know if you don't know to find, you know, sort of that particular web series, you'll never know it's there. So right. you know, sort of it's kind of like YouTube is its own. You know, it's it's a victim of its own success in a strange way. And so I would like to um, create the, uh, you know, a way, a more efficient way for people to find great artists and to connect artists with audiences and publics they didn't know, and to introduce audience and audiences and publics to artists that they didn't even know exist and hear their wonderful stories. So that's how it's a shortcut started. That was my inspiration, and I live and breathe it every day. That is so awesome. Can you please help everyone that's watching figure out how to get to It's a Short and what they need to do and how much does it cost and all the wonderful details? Absolutely. So for everybody who's listening, we would love it if you would become a subscriber. Um, what you do is you go to itsashort.com, so that's www.itsashort, it's a short, all one word, though it's three words, but it's all one word, .com. And when you get there, you'll see a button that says start your month for free. Or if you're already registered, you'll, say, you'll see a button on the upper right-hand corner that says member login. But I'm going to assume that you guys are all new, which is so exciting. So click the button that says membership starts for free. And let me tell you what that means because we are a subscriber-based platform. So because that's how we pay our artists and that's how we pay for the site itself. Our subscription rates, though, are um, embarrassingly low. So they're $2 a month uh, or $20 for the year. Can you imagine being able to watch all this amazing short film video web series for just $2 a month? It's incredible. So it's $2 but the first month is free so you can try it all out and then um, you will be invited to become a subscriber and you can uh, sort of enter your you know information and we will welcome you uh, as a new member of the itsashort.com family. Um, we think, uh, now, sort of the other benefits are that periodically we do um, online premieres of our artists. In fact, we're doing one tomorrow. Thank Yay. you. Yay, with the Holderness family. They are so cool. And those events are premier events and therefore ticketed. So in addition to you know, sort of a monthly subscription fee for ticketed events. Everybody goes to the premier, you know, to our, our registration page, and there's something that says premier ticket. You click that, you pay us $2 for the premier event, and you are then directed to our premier theater, and you can watch our online premiere of the Holiness Family tomorrow, which is so exciting. So that's itsashort.com. The Holiness Family, for those of you who don't know, are that funny family. That did the uh, pajama. They did the commercial. Well, a little video they shot in their pajamas in their front yard for Christmas last year. They have another one this year. Those are both going to be on. It's a short, right? 
That's right. That's right. And, and last night on Saturday Night Live, they spoofed the Holderness family, which I think they is so cool. It was so, so cool. It is so amazing that It's a Short is going to have the Holderness family live in a Google Hangout just like this one tomorrow night. Please don't miss it. It's tomorrow right. night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 o'clock on the Pacific, on the West Coast. That's and right. I hope you won't miss it. It's a short.com. And like I said, we'll make sure you have all the links. But um, It's a Short has a Facebook page, of course. They're on Twitter. They're on Pinterest. They're on Instagram. So you can make sure you find out about all the great, awesome uh, premieres they have coming up. That is so, very true. Thanks, everybody, for hearing that. <laughs> so, Chris, can you please um, just tell the person who maybe she just lost her job and she has this passion to start a business, but yeah. she has, you know, two or three miles to feed and she's trying to figure out what is she going to do. Can you tell her, like, how does she get started? Because obviously you've started two companies, so how do you, you know, what's the first step? Um, well, you know what, it's not, you know, sort of a lot of people who start businesses spend a lot of time thinking about is it something that they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Wasted time. <laughs> well, you know, bottom line is you're either going to jump off the cliff or you're not, so you got to decide that one, and I always believe in jumping off the cliff. Um, but one of the things that you can do to prepare yourself for this giant leap, and it is a leap, is to start thinking about, um, the actual business that you want to start and thinking about ultimately the revenue because without revenue you fundamentally really don't have a business. It's kind of a harsh thing to say but it's true. Especially if it's going to be something that's going to support you for some period of your life. So here's what uh, that means in, in terms, in my case, in terms of the search business. Because I was you know, part of a previous firm, we did partnership agreement in place that spoke specifically to, you know, whether or not people, partners could walk out the door with relationships. And that was a little bit of a, of a sort of little bit of a briar patch for me because a lot of the business that I had developed, I developed because of who I was, not necessarily because of who the firm was. And so we had to negotiate uh, as I was exiting my partnership. Uh, what relationships I was in fact going to take with me. Ultimately, interestingly enough, it was the choice of my clients. And that's an important thing that people may not realize, that even though you have all these partnership agreements in place and all the rest, if your client decides that you are the person they want to work with, then that's what they're going to do. And thankfully, my clients loved me, so they all came with me, which is very nice. But that meant that I sort of, in a strange way, was kind of instantly in business. Do you know what I mean? Because I had a, it was a, it's a professional services space, and I was basically, you know, sort of creating a new address. But all of my clients came with me, and we just continued our relationship. Now, what I did not know at the time, which is also very important, is that there are lots of um, kind of legal things that you have to do to set up your business. Like you have to register, you have to find a great accountant, you have to set up your books. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna pay yourself, you've got to set that up properly. You've got to pay your taxes. You've got to register with all you know the state and the county and the city and all the things. You've got to do that, please. That is so important because it will absolutely, unquestionably come back to you if you don't take care of those details. So make sure you do that. Um, register your name. Um, in this now, before when I started my business, my consulting firm, this was not the case, but now it is. 
so that not only do you sort of name your business, but you also make sure that your web the website is available. Do you know what I mean that you can use that name for your website um, and you register it immediately and then you register all the whatever those things are dot info dot com dot org dot us dot mobi dot whatever get all that <laughs> get all those dots uh, do the you know and at the same time set up your URL for your Facebook page set up Pinterest Pinterest set up Instagram set up your Twitter account if that's important and for all the people who are in the professional services space set up your personal and professional LinkedIn pages totally critical because social media is so important these days and almost every business that anybody is a part of. Um, and if you don't think so, I mean, like I sometimes I think about you know people in the medical field, like Dr. Renee, who is a genius on social media. But there are plenty of other people, you know, in sort of who are um, you know neurosurgeons or cardiac people or you know whatever their particular specialty is, and they may not appreciate how important social media is. But yet, you know, there are people out there who are on. WebMD or Yelp or wherever, and they're writing exactly. about, uh, you know, about their experiences with their neurosurgeon or with their cardiac surgeon or their cardiologist or whatever. So you've got to have a way to respond to social media, even if you don't think it's relevant for your professional space. So I say get in front of that train and get all of your social media assets set up and branded in the way that's going to represent your, your best interest. Um, so, so that's the so the first part is decide you know that you want to do it. The second part is do all the legal stuff that you have to do to set your business up. The third is set up your social media assets using the name that you chose. And then the fourth is go to work. You know, work. You know, sort of create a plan for your business, whatever it's going to be. In my case, it was executive search. I had a bunch of interest uh, practice areas that I wanted to sort of spend time in, and I went after them. In my case, with it's a short.com, which has frankly been a very, very different experience, um, and and a lot tougher because the sort of our we're a subscription-based service, and so our cash flow we have lots and lots of subscribers, but because our our subscription rates are so low, we actually have to have way more subscribers than we ever realized. So in that instance, planning my business, do you know what I mean? Developing the ideas around how many subscribers I needed and how I was going to get them and how I was going to tell everybody about our business, that became way more important because of the cash flow requirements. So we, uh, so I had to learn uh, a lot about you know the retail side of business. In the executive search business, I was kind of in a wholesale kind of model. On uh, It's a short that's entirely consumer-based or retail-based. So I had to learn a whole new way of doing business. And um, I did that in a couple of ways. First of all, I read everything I could find. Second, I, of course, experimented with a lot of different ideas. Some worked, most didn't. want to say that, most didn't. And then third, I, um, I, I did a couple of incubators, business incubators, tech startup incubators, and got involved with the tech startup community so that I could learn through osmosis almost you know, from all these people around me who were also doing tech startups and at the same time to sort of avail myself of, you know, some of the formal training op opportunities that people had where I could just learn, you know, everything that one needed to learn about, you know, creating a tech startup. Like, you know, what is a pitch? I had to learn that. Didn't know what that was. So, you know, doing PowerPoint presentations in 30 seconds or less, explaining my business in a minute or less, um, identifying with being in the tech startup space because let's face it, 
I don't that's where we are. Startup <laughs> person. I'm not your first thought. So <laughs> I'm with a group of people that I whose energy I absolutely love, most of whom are not they're not even as old as my own kids. And then, you know, so I had to establish myself as someone who was credible at least, you know, a good partner. Um, so you have to get into the space and learn, you know, what's going on in your in your particular area and make friends with everybody that you meet and help as many people as you possibly can because down the road, if they have an opportunity, they'll help you. So that's the that's the way that I've gotten started. That's awesome. Thanks. Uh, that is truly awesome. Um, the whole starting of the website, you know, I would, um, she would send me stuff and I'd look at it and I never even imagined. I've never, I guess I never saw a website like start from does this color go here, or does that color go there. It was like building a house. It was really complex. But it, it was. We had to learn. Very, we had to learn yeah, like wireframes right. and low def wireframes, high def wireframes, and UI UX people and web developers. I went through a number of web developers before I found a team of people that can actually develop the site I wanted. So yeah, and that's just the site. I mean, that's just getting into the starting block. That's not even starting your business. So yeah, that's it's it's a lot. Um, but thank you. And the other thing you did touch on social media, but I because you do work in search business and with jobs. Can you please, because I try to tell people daily how important social media is Absolutely. to, social, to um, finding a job. Absolutely. So um, just to sort of share with anybody who's, who's listening, um, in the executive search space, I should say that executive search is uh, a part of the, the human capital industry that works at the very senior levels of organizations. So, in the executive search space, generally speaking, people recruit, and I recruit very senior level people, chief financial officers, chief development officers, chief executive officers, executive directors, um, chief human resource officers, chief technical technology officers. So that so it's very senior level. And you may or may not think that social media would play such a critical role. But in fact, social media has become the primary engine for how we get that done. And by that I mean the first thing that we do in the executive search side, on the employment side, is we start looking for people who are doing the job that we've been asked to recruit for. So we use, we are heavy, heavy, heavy users of LinkedIn. So the first thing I want to say to anybody who's listening is please make sure that your LinkedIn profile it reflects everything that you want it to about you professionally. That is very key. Um, the second thing that we do is we not only do we look at your profile, but we also look at the profiles of the organizations that you've actually worked for. For you know, LinkedIn offers you the opportunity to sort of see who else works there. You know what I mean? And so in the executive search space, that's what we do. So we go to you know the profile of the organization that you've worked for in the past, and we find other people that we know, you know, that that worked with you or you know that we're interested in or and so we do we sort of our whole networking process has basically shifted to LinkedIn the second thing that we do once we find you is we start Googling you because we want to know you know where do you show up um, has there you know are there any is there any press about you 
Are there any significant uh, trade, you know, or professional journal announcements that you've been a part of or that you've been, you know, that you've authored? Um, so Googling you is incredibly important. We do that before we even make a call to talk to you. So we want to know as much as we can about you. One, we want to be um, complimentary almost, if not flattering. You know, we want to know, we want <laughs> you to know that we've done a lot of work to discover who you are. And the second is, we want to make sure that, you know, who, we're, who we think you are is who you actually are. It's very important to us. So that's important. Then the third thing that we do, which is kind of interesting, and it's not anything that anybody is supposed to do. In fact, there's probably litigation everywhere that says you can't do this. Uh, but that is, we are going to check the rest of your social media assets. We're going to look at what you post on Facebook. We're going to look at what you post and you know what you what you tweet about. We're going to look at your Pinterest boards. Just because, again, we can, we can, and you know, hiring people in the way that we do, which is at the very senior levels, we can't afford a mistake. So you know, while you may think that your professional life is separate from your personal life. At, at our level, the executive level, your professional life and your personal life are basically merged. So be thoughtful about what you post about on Facebook or what you tweet about or, you know, what you say on Quora or, you know, Reddit or any of the other, you know, sort of platforms where people, you know, kind of just sound off because we in the executive search space are, are you know, we use that information to better understand you. So I would say that social media has become an essential part of looking, you know, of, of the in the executive search space of helping us to recruit people. I know that that is also true of all the people, all of the clients that we work for. They spend, they too use social media to recruit uh, new employees for their respective organizations. So it's it's uh, it's essential. You can't, you almost can't get a job without it. Because people ask questions like. Why don't you have a Facebook page? <laughs> Why don't you have a LinkedIn profile? What's going on? Yeah, so it's essential. Very important. Very important. So what motivates you to keep mo keep going? Because, I mean, It's a Short is a lot. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's still in its infancy stages. It's not even a year old yet. So yeah. what propels you to keep moving? Well, I will say, you know, being an entrepreneur and being in business for yourself, um, there are plenty of opportunities for any of us to sort of at any point throw our hands up and go, I get, I quit. Guess what? I quit. But who are you quitting? Who are you quitting? You're quitting yourself. It's crazy. So interestingly enough, when you go into business for yourself, quitting turns out not to be an option, even though you want to. Um, but the other side of it is you always have to visit with, you know, the reason, your own passion, your own motivation, your own reason for going into business for yourself in the first place. And every day I do that. Every day I say to myself, I am so excited to meet new artists for itsashort.com or to watch a video that somebody uploaded or to see what's going on, you know, in the universe of short films. I'm excited by that every single day. And then on the executive search side, I, you know, the great thing about being in business for yourself is you can choose your clients. Not always, but most of the time. You can certainly choose the candidates. That's what you're paid to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
so I got a chance to spend time with people that I chose, you know what I mean? And that was always fun. I loved the work that my clients were doing. You know, I'm a progressive to the left kind of person, so I was, you know, huge in all of the issues that the progressive to the left community cares about, and I spent time with, you know, the leaders of those respective fields. So that was always encouraging. Uh, the thing that would get me down is just the daily grind. It's really hard to you know keep it going every minute of every day and you're you have to change the way you work um, because when you're in business for yourself you actually work 24 hours a day you don't work 9 to 5 and it's very difficult to maintain that kind of pace so you gotta take care of yourself you gotta go to the gym you gotta drink water you gotta sort of stay at two o'clock in the afternoon when the worst thing in the world has happened that you're just gonna go to the movies and chill for two hours. I mean, you just gotta do. You gotta give your permit yourself permission to treat yourself well, you know, because you know that you're all you got. So you gotta protect yourself. So you know the grind is real. Uh, it's tough, and you just gotta keep going. Yeah, that's true. Thank you for saying that. Also, I just thought about it. You've worked with some very, very high-profile people and different administrations and stuff. Can you talk about what was that like? Yes, it's I can. The ones that kind of, you know, really boiled over into something really huge. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> uh, in the executive, are you talking about the executive search? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So there's two great stories uh, that I can share with people. One, both are great. Uh, they have a very different outcomes, however. So <laughs> the one that was pretty amazing uh, was I got a chance. This was many years ago. You'll know. You guys will know in a minute when I tell you. Um, but you know, one of the things that happens when we have newly elected officials, you know, at the federal level or the local level, is that they have to bring in their team. They have to bring in a new administration. And the executive search community is the community that they immediately turn to to do that. So in my case, I happened literally to be in the right place at the right time. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a call from a, a colleague of mine who um, was setting up the transition team for the, the president, the newly elected President Clinton. Like, wow. And I, of course, was like, Really? This is incredible. So uh, we, I was one of five people, and we designed the personnel side of uh, transition for the Clinton White House. And I worked on, um, uh, we didn't do, we actually did not do the, the cabinet level post, but we did everything below cabinet. So we did the deputy secretaries, the assistant secretaries, and I, I worked on uh, labor, transportation, and treasury, which is so exciting because you learn so much. I mean, there are so many cool jobs, you know, in these presidential administrations that people just don't know about. So, if anybody's listening and you want to know, though, you, the, they're all listed in something called the Plum Book, P L U M, the Plum Book. Definitely go get that book, boy. That that is there's so much cool stuff in there. But at any rate, so um, I did. I worked on transition. I met with. Uh, the guy who was heading the president, the personnel side of the transition team, uh, two days after President Clinton was elected, I went down to Washington and met with him, and uh, we set up shop uh, in this kind of very nondescript building. We recruited 200 volunteers to work with us because nobody can be paid until after the administration takes uh, office in the White House and inauguration. 
which is in January. And so after the presidential inauguration, we then all shifted our offices to the old executive office building, which is called the OEOB. And that we set up uh, the White House Presidential Personnel Office in the OEOB and uh, went to work. And I worked uh, for six months in the White House and met with everybody and recruited like amazing people and worked with a terrific team of people, many whom, of whom became very good friends and professional colleagues. Um, so it was a terrific experience. Uh, the second experience that I had, which those of you who are have any great affection for Detroit will know, is uh, Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick, so who was elected and at a very young age and uh, was supported by many of his classmates. Interestingly enough, from Cass Tech, Cass Tech Green Machine, and uh, but they were so young that they did not have the experiences. They certainly had the intellect but they didn't have the experiences that they needed to actually run the city off. I hate to say this, which may have been, you know, kind of borne out later, but anyway. <laughs> and so Mayor Kilpatrick was a terrific person to work with, honestly, and had a tremendous vision for the city. And, um, and so I helped him bring in some of the initial uh, members of his executive leadership team. Um, they did not stay for the second uh, for his second administration, but um, it was a terrific experience. Um, and I I know that many people are just very disappointed in Mayor Kilpatrick, but I will say that there is a side to him that is quite extraordinary, and uh, and I'm delighted to have had the chance to get to know him. If anyone has any questions, like I said, if you click the buttons in the upper right hand corner, I guess this is right for you guys probably over here. Um, upper right hand corner and you click on those buttons it should say Q&A and you can ask a question and we will answer it. Um, is there anything else you wanted to share with our lovely viewers today Chris? Um, I would just like to say that um, one of the things that's interesting for me is that I ran this business for 20 years and then I transitioned into my it's a short.com and that for a lot of people I'm sure is kind of like what? You know what I mean? Like, what did you do? <laughs> and, you know, because it's so different um, from what I was doing. And in, in many ways, it, it totally is. As I mentioned, you know, I was in a wholesale business, now I'm in a retail business, but I still recruit artists. I recruited people, professionals, and now I recruit artists. So that's kind of like the tie. Um, but I would say that, you know, one of the things that I've learned is don't ever be afraid to pursue your passion or your dreams. You know, and, and sort of number one. Number two, um, I was watching, um, you know, an Oprah Masterclass, interestingly enough, with uh, where she was having a, a discussion with T.D. Jakes, which for those of you who don't know, I'm an actual practicing Buddhist, so this is a little unusual. Um, but I loved what he had to say. A young woman called in and said that she had decided to change her life, and she had actually, she was a woman of color. She lived in North Carolina and she moved to, of all places, Montana. And she was like, you know, I don't know anybody out here, and I'm trying to figure out the life, and, you know, can you, you know, I don't know if I made a mistake, and nothing's working out the way I thought it would, and, you know, what should I do? And T.D. Jakes was talking about a book that he had just written, which many of you probably have heard of. It's called Instinct. It's just published this year. And his whole thing was, you know, if your instinct says to go do something, do it. That's the voice you follow. 
so you know for me instinct is passion instinct is drive so that's the first thing that I you know sort of that resonates with me that if you if you have an instinct to do something or a passion to do something do it and then the second thing he said was that you know it takes a while to get smart about your new space you know if it's new physical space if it's a new job if it's new relationships professionally it takes a while so you know the idea and vision that you have may not match your reality and that's actually right because you gotta give yourself some time to you know to learn what you need to learn and to create what you needed to create so you don't worry about you know the bumpy roads and the craziness and you know the misfires and the mistakes none of that matters because it's all great learning and it's going to and it becomes you know the rich sort of tapestry of experience that you will draw upon uh, as you go forward and I thought that was just brilliant advice you know what I mean that you you just have to wait and the third piece that he said was what you envision uh, is going to be different than your reality because you're in a new space and you're using an old framework to look at a new place and he said you know don't be open to doing things differently um, meeting different kinds of people um, you know changing the way you do things because maybe you know what you want to do requires that you do things differently and I think all of those things are true I haven't read the book yet though I want to but I just thought that those that was great advice so uh, the, so what I want to say to people is follow your passion uh, is it going to be a bumpy road yes it is uh, are you going to be able are you going to need to do some things that you never thought you'd ever have to do to make the whole thing work yes you are you know, but you got to jump in there with both feet and go for it. Thank you so much. That is so true. Well, if there are no questions, we will let everyone get to their holiday festivities. There are several holidays this week. Happy Hanukkah to my Jewish friends and Merry Christmas to my Christian friends. And uh, next Sunday, we will have Shanti Das. And for you all that don't know who she is, she's an amazing music executive. She was... Um, She's worked for LaFace Records, uh, Universal. Um, she was basically, I, I call her the person that brought Outkast to the masses. So she is an amazing woman. She's the hip hop professional. If you want to check her out online, the hip hop professional. And we will be talking to her next week, okay? So thank you, everyone. Wait, we might have a question. Uh, we have a comment. Chris, you are amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, whoever said that. Shout it out. It was Dr. Dre. <laughs> oh, shout out, Dr. Dre. Okay. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Chris, for being a guest this evening. And everyone have a good night. Good night. Okay, good night. Bye.